So here I am as an entrepreneur making low six figures in my own firm and I apply for a job to make $18 an hour. everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsco.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. Well, we usually find our guests through referrals or interesting tidbits that we see online, but today's guest is a little different. We have Wayne Richard joining us from Tucson, Arizona, although he's actually a partner in Bean Ninjas, which is an Australian company. Wayne reached out to me purely because we knew some of the same people and he wanted to connect in case there would be some mutual benefit. But after I found out a little bit more about his story, I couldn't resist but ask him to see if he'd be willing to come on the show to share some of his time with me and with you, the audience. As I mentioned, Wayne is a partner in Bean Ninjas, but he started his career in industry actually for many years And interestingly enough, with very large corporations, HP or Hewlett Packard to be specific, he's got a great story of how he transitioned into servicing small business. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Plus, Wayne has some valuable insight on balancing family needs as well, you know, balancing it with your career aspirations. So I know you're going to find value in this episode. If you do enjoy this podcast, please check us out online. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have our career blog there. Of course, we have all our other podcasts. We have a new job board. And now we have a new feedback or, or question tool that you can use as well. Simply click on Ask Mark on the top menu bar from any device you're using, and you can record a question or feedback for us using your computer microphone or your phone or whatever microphone basically your device has, and you can record it in your own voice. It's very simple. You just press the record button. And if we get some juicy questions, we may go ahead and play some of those online. We'll have to play that by ear, but we would love to hear from you. There again, just click on Ask Mark in the top menu bar at www.whereaccountantsco.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Wayne... Richard. Hey, Wayne. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on today. No problem. Well, for the audience, we have Wayne Richard of Bean Ninjas on the show today. And Wayne had actually noticed some of our common acquaintances online and reached out to me just to get connected. However, once I saw how unique his background was and sort of how he structured his professional work around the life he wants to lead, I thought it would be great if we could get him on the show. And and obviously, he was open to it. I think you're really going to enjoy this. And I don't want to give away anything too early, but Wayne has five kids. And yes, that's five. One, two, three, four, five. So I know that's going to be part of the story. And and I'm curious to hear more about that as well. So Wayne, before we get into being ninjas, of course, and, and of course, the family, it's important that the audience, you know, gets an idea of how you got to where you are today and where you came from. What led you to consider that accounting might be a good career choice in the first place? Sure, Mark. Great question. And it takes me back really to my first year at the University of Massachusetts. And I recall my introduction to sports management, which was my intended major, had brought about a conversation with the professor. And he said, yeah, it's going to be a great course of study. Our program 
is ranked number two in the country. But the downside is you'll graduate and it likely will be very hard to find a job. And the jobs you'll find may look more like unpaid internships. You really have to sacrifice and put in some dues for the first few years before you really get a meaningful job in the sports management field. And conversely, I had my introduction to accounting course because you were required to take one business course and accounting was uh, something I had interest in. And I had taken a high school course and done really well within it. So in that first course, the accounting professor comes up and he starts talking about careers. And he says, you can work in any industry, any field imaginable, even the FBI, and you'll make a great starting wage, one of the highest of any profession coming out with a four-year degree. And I thought to myself right there in the first week of school, it's time to change my major. So I changed my major from sports management to accounting and followed that through university and into my first career job. Wow. People talk about a no-brainer, but (laughs) that is a great story. That is a great story. I have to tell you today, I go out to universities and you know give little presentations, and I run across sports management majors as well. And, and I'm curious about, it sounds exciting, you know, but I'm curious about the job prospects as well. That is a great story. So you switched to accounting pretty early on then in college. I did, within the first few weeks of the first semester. <laughs> Beautiful. Did you pretty much go straight through college then as an accounting major and get into an internship, or how did your start? I did. So I I went through the first four, three and a half years of study, and then I was presented an opportunity to take an internship with IBM in their tax department in upstate New York, which was about a six-hour drive from where my family had been and where I had grown up in central Massachusetts. So I took an opportunity to take a semester away from school, which would have been my last semester of college, and did the internship. Learned a lot at IBM, mostly about the rush and hustle that comes with meeting tax deadlines, and then returned to school for the four and a half year degree. So I then finished in the fall, graduating in December of that fifth, what would have been about fifth year of school. Okay. Okay. Did you return to IBM after that or go elsewhere? I didn't. So I spent that last semester finalizing my studies. And my first job was moving to DC and working with a federal government contractor, Electronic Data Systems, which had been owned and founded by Ross Perot. And within that, my functions were really maintaining the accounts of federal government contract task orders. Yeah, which really, the day-to-day role really looked like bookkeeping for small government contracts that we had been awarded and also working with project managers to understand their spend through the allocated budgets that they've been given to deliver whatever the function was that they were contracted to serve. Okay. That sounds like very detailed work. What was great is it presented me a lot of education around how what's become named productized services looks like now. So I began to understand concepts around capacity and utilization. Um, And, you know, years later uh, have found that it's been helpful in supporting professional services businesses and helping them understand what often is their most high area of spend, and that's labor. So we were really focused on maintaining efficient spend of labor 
but then also a lot of detail just spent on providing project managers timely and reliable financial insights that they can then make decisions on to best run their programs. Okay. Okay. Well, take us through the highlights of your career in industry. And and the reason I say it that way, one of the things I found interesting is that there's a belief in the U.S. at least that you you should start in public accounting and then see where that takes you and maybe you move out, maybe you don't. But that's sort of a good start. And you sort of did it the opposite way. You've spent many years in industry and then more recently have worked and what looks like it's closer to public accounting. So so take us through the highlights of your industry career, because I am curious sort of what the high points were and and the most meaningful learning opportunities and growth opportunities that you had through that time. Sure. So what my career really looked like within EDS, and eventually EDS was purchased by Hewlett-Packard, so HP. So throughout what would have been 16 years of a career in industry, I very quickly was put in leadership positions and much earlier than typically folks would be at my age. And I really had leveraged relationship building. And immediately when hired into EDS, I sought out a mentor and had connected very well with a very hungry, eager, high performer within the finance organization. And based on that relationship, I was able to get the tap on the shoulder when there was a need for someone to step into challenging projects or uh, special one-off things that may not have looked like a great long-term position, but because of the experience and exposure to those others within those teams created amazing networking opportunities that I could then rely upon when looking for my next role. So some of the highlights I remember at the time, the federal government had awarded EDS the largest outsourced defense contract ever in the history of the government. And I was involved in the team that was identifying processes and how to work and control the contractor spend that we were executing within the government guidelines around small business set-aside budgets and and work with minority and women-owned small businesses. That was a great project. Another highlight for me matched well personally, and it was an opportunity, my first opportunity as a manager. And I say that I had the title with really no leadership responsibility or team, but it was exciting to very early in my career earn that role in, in the title. And this is when I was probably more wrapped up in those titles than, than anything else. But what the role encompassed was an opportunity to work with a team that was specifically tasked by the DOD, the Department of Defense, to groom and mentor small businesses. So we would be awarded, let's say, a million dollars. And within that million dollars, we would send out folks skilled in marketing folks skilled in sales, folks skilled in business development, and work with these entrepreneurs to help build their small businesses so that they can stand alone and work through the government procurement process to earn their own contract awards through the Department of Defense. And I just felt that that early introduction to entrepreneurship and people motivated into building things from an idea 
and rallying others around their vision and listing high-performing teams and even the idea that there's an opportunity to do that without the risk of your personal fund. So they had the opportunity through this program to also get a lot of education that others would pay four-year degrees, master's, higher education in, in years of their life to gain. But really, I felt like a lot of the knowledge that benefited me in the career was stuff learned in the field. It wasn't the stuff I learned in the textbooks. It was actually getting into the systems that these companies were using to manage and build budgets and building out at the time what were very complex Excel worksheets to capture and share reporting through the teams. But those highlights really paled in comparison to what would have been my last role at HP, and that was finance manager leading a team of 14 distributed financial analysts through our support of the federal healthcare portfolio, which at the time encompassed the outsourced deal, which now is known as Obamacare. The government early on had failed pretty miserably to build out a solution on their own. So they enlisted HP's Federal Healthcare Health and Human Services Department with a very significant multi-hundred million dollar annual budget to build out and support for them. So the opportunity to lead, one, a large team, it would have been the largest team I'd ever supported across multiple client areas. We really supported three clients throughout that time in addition to health and human services. But to have access to visibility of what it really looked like, it felt very much like a fast-growing startup. And there was a lot of excitement about recruiting the highest level managers that we could get within our organization and finding and recruiting the best finance talent that we had available within the HP federal sector. I guess there was part of that vanity metric also, Mark, of if being able to say at a at a dinner party, yeah, I'm, I'm a you know finance manager responsible for I think at the time the number was like four hundred million a year in an annual budget. And to me, early in my career but having spent a bit of time, you know, working up through the ranks, really, having that first line analyst position into quickly a team leader and then into that first management position, I felt that, you know, after this, what would have probably been about 13-year period, that this was my first really big-time role and one that I could make, you know, a real impact on. Interesting. You know, I, I was looking at your experience and thinking about it from, I guess, the large company perspective or mega organization perspective, but I didn't realize that you got all this startup, I guess, exposure, startup experience, and then the experience helping small business entrepreneurs you know, grow and, and grooming them as well. I guess that helped set your mindset for what you do now or starting your own practice then. Is that sort of where the seed came from? I would love to say it was, but it wasn't as glamorous a tale. And I think one of the concerns, or one of the things that's off in working in industry, and I think things I want to make sure there's messaging around is that you can often put a very false sense of security into a role and into a longstanding career within these large companies. So I had spent 16 years and I had for 13 and a half had had a role where I had the freedom and flexibility to work from home because I had led a distributed team of analysts that were really located all across the U.S. 
So it never had made sense for me to live in one city over any other because we already were dealing with time zone constraints and we had different programs that were being run out of different states. So for me, it came to really an end in that last role my last function was to lay off a third of our team. And the only reason that I was tasked to do that was HP was splitting into two companies. So they were taking the printers and ink cartridges you'll find at Costco and Walmart, and that would be one company. And the enterprise, the professional services arm, would be set apart as a separate company. And in their desire to separate these companies, they would be releasing two ticker symbols. So how do you maximize the price purchased for a ticker symbol is you show that each company will have significant profit right out of the gate. And in doing so, they said, okay, we're going to look at our overhead functions like finance and HR, and we're going to limit hiring. We're going to streamline growth, but we're also going to take all but 1% of our remote workforce, and we're going to move them back in to a brick and mortar office. And the only locations we're going to house these shared service centers in the U.S. are Dallas, Detroit, and D.C. Now, my wife and I had moved back to Tucson, where we live now, in late 2005. So we had been there already about 10 years. And we're very comfortable there and in the community. And, and you had shared a bit about my story as well. And having five kids, but I'll clarify a bit. It wasn't one, two, three, four, five. We went one, two, five. My wife and I were surprised by triplets. Oh. And this time in my life, I had been extremely stressed because it was my responsibility to, at one, force people back in to an office, but then further to identify which six team members of my 14 were going to get laid off. And the criteria that I was given was really not based upon performance. If you could find yourself in an office, you really received a golden ticket. And I had some people that had to deal with what would have looked like an hour and 20-minute one-way commute inside of D.C. to get to work, to just simply sit at a desk and work by phone and online for the entire eight hours. So I made my decisions, I made my calls, and I confirmed with my manager that the sixth call had been made and I had let the person go. And he simply asked, do you have a second to take a call? And I said, no way. And he said, yeah. He said, based on your position with the company and where we see your growth, we really need you to consider moving to Dallas. And outside of Dallas, really, D.C. would be the best option. And it wasn't even a conversation I had to have with my wife. I had known that if my shoulder were to get tapped, that was it for me. I was done. And really what had gone on in my head is, man, for so long, I had given this company all of the security and responsibility to provide for my wife and my family. We had had a modest savings, but certainly nothing I could live off of for an extended period of time. So it really spurred that decision around, you know, what's next? And I was very motivated by creating something that I had more control over than simply next week's paycheck. And I also knew I needed to build something that I had a basis of understanding and an expertise around. And this is at a time when cloud accounting was starting to really come into play, but more so with small business. You know, the use of, of QuickBooks was really still 
prevalent on a desktop in an office. But I was researching some of the alternatives and I came across Xerox and really just felt that, you know, it looked beautiful on a screen. It was intuitive to use. Having really had no prior experience in using anything but enterprise tools that really compartmentalized based on what you have access and visibility to do and see, I began to self-train and gain the certifications within both QuickBooks and Zero. But knew that I needed a differentiator when starting something on my own. Because at the time, I, I really felt that um, what would be great is to build something re- local. I had thought small at the beginning. How would be cool to have some clients here across town. But very early on, I started sharing the idea to some of my friends that were beginning to open their own small businesses. And one was located in Seattle. And he said, hey, you told me these tools are online. And we already talk on the phone all the time. Why don't you just support my business? So we struck a handshake deal that I would make $250 a month. And that was my first client. So for the first three months, I went from a near six-figure income in industry to making $250 a month and beginning to work out what that severance would look like in terms of a runway. And extremely, you know, I, I couldn't have done this and I can't help but just thank my wife as well for the support. I was in a position, married with five kids, with a lot of personal responsibility. And I had always in my household maintained the burden of financial responsibility and had always been the provider. And in this time, my wife, she's a nurse, and she has the flexibility and the availability to simply sign on for more shifts. So she made the sacrifice to step away from the house for sometimes four and five nights to go to work for 12 hours and help support my dream of building a business that our goal in the future to provide us the lifestyle and the flexibility and freedom to really be present and engaged in our kids' lives. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because I, I wasn't sure how your business started. What were the first few years like? I mean, did business quickly pick up and you were able to sort of get the home life back to what y'all preferred or, or did you have to struggle for a few years? Hey, what were the first few years like? Because we're not talking about that long ago. No, not at all. I wouldn't say it was the first few years. I think entrepreneurship always is a struggle. There's a lot of stress that comes with taking the risk and also that comes with leading teams and having staff. But the early years were lean in the first few months. I Again, I, I started out making $250 a month, and I think that lasted the first three months. I really found that my strengths are in connecting with others. So Early on, I made it a mission to reach out and connect with as many people as I could in different forums to understand what area would work best for me to learn and help grow my business. And very early on, I remember my father-in-law had told me when I met my wife, is I had asked him about his career in the military, and he had said, my success has been built around the people I've met in the books I've read. And it always really resonated with me. And for me, it really meant more the people I've met than the books I've read. So I would take every opportunity to ask questions and to reach out to people on either social media or by phone to say, hey, do you have a 15 minute to chat about? And I would list a topic that I knew they were strong in. So I connected 
in the third month with a business coach. And he had mentioned to me that he had had a former client that was running a very similar business to that that I had expressed to him a desire to grow. And fortunately, his client was actually exiting his bookkeeping business and moving on to a traditional industry position as a controller for a large company. So he had had a need to exit a number of his clients. So I met with this individual and we identified that I was a good fit for two of his largest clients. So I went from making $250 a month to then at the time making what would have been probably about half of my income at HP. And it really provided a lot of relief as my wife didn't have to feel as responsible for earning to keep us from burning through the run rate that we had, but also allowed for more time to be with our young kid, which was a driving force and really my chief motivator in, in really getting out there and giving my all. They talk about what's your why. And for me, that was really it. It's getting us back to a position where I can be the foundation and really responsible for our families, the bulk of our family's finances. Okay. And those opportunities then just snowballed into other opportunities and discussions through my network and sharing my service offering to others within, you know, now I had case studies. So I had an opportunity to express to others that I could provide small business bookkeeping, payroll, accounts payable services to boutique fitness studios like CrossFit gyms or your yoga studios and started working within particular niches to build out client base and then working through those clients and simply asking them, hey, who do you know that may need a service like I'm providing to you? And from that, I grew within the first two years to replace my income at HP and balance that also with an opportunity to be present, to hear all my triplets' first words and to see their first steps and to be with them and support my wife in the in the early years when really we needed the most help. Thank you for bringing us back to the family too, because I was going to ask you just to clarify that you were already father of five when all this happened with HP. And so many people say, I can't do it. You know, there's too much risk. And yeah, you were sort of forced into that situation. So, wow. Wow. Well, take us through, I guess, how the transition from prescribed bookkeeping and financial management, your company, how that transition happened you know, from that into being ninjas. Sure. So what I learned early on is the difference between creating a business where you're simply trading your time for a rate to creating a business that can scale. So what I had done with prescribed bookkeeping and financial management is I had created a culture where I was always available to my clients. I was present at their office. If they were to ask me for a meeting, I was the guy they would call when there were technical issues, when there were deadlines. I had just simply traded a traditional job within industry for a job for many clients across multiple industries and had not done or focused on building out a team in documenting processes in identifying how I would get from low six figures to 
mid six figures to a million dollar firm. And I began to really feel the stress of that. I went from what's a traditional corporate job where maybe you have 35 productive hours that you're available and getting work in in a work from home arrangement to now working heads down 60, 70 hours because I was responsible for advertising marketing. I was responsible for sales. I was responsible for delivery. I was responsible for internal operations and following up on AR and you know making my personal payroll. And I had had two part-time assistants that were supporting me. So making sure that they were getting paid every few weeks. So really that second year, I really began a transition to understand how do I build a real business and something that I could step away from for a period of time and it would continue to run, generate profit and allow for me to have really a more impactful relationship with my family. I was present at home, but it was very often that I was interrupted by a call from a client or I'd be with the kids at dinner, but I'd be scrolling my phone trying to understand how to write content or how to publish content. So I started searching out other firms that I wanted, that I could see an ability to mimic or follow and also knowledge share and learn from. So I reached out based on a podcast that I had heard to my now business partner and had simply asked because I had heard of her through the podcast and then I followed the website. And I just recall the website had been super transparent in their blog about the things they've tried in launching their business, in the headcount, in the volume of clients that they had, even down to the monthly recurring revenue that they were making. And I saw a very different business model. The story was quite different to mine. Bean Ninjas was built around the premise and still does provide a productized service with a monthly subscription-based billing and supported by a distributed team. And I just thought, man, that's the type of business that I want to have in four years. So I took a risk and Boom Ninjas had had a job posting for a frontline bookkeeper paying, I think at the time was maybe $18 an hour. So here I am as an entrepreneur making low six figures in my own firm and I apply for a job to make $18 an hour. And Mero, my business partner, reaches back to me. She's just like, are you kidding? What are you doing? And I said, I just think there's so much I can learn being inside and working from the front line up. Because as I shared, my career was not built in public accounting. And I had really never supported clients in small business to end. My experience was just simply across those few clients. And I think I, in my own firm, I had never been able to have capacity to serve more than 12 So really, my experience was limited to the demands of those 12 clients. And Bean Ninjas would provide me an opportunity to support about 25 clients across smaller than the ones that I had had, but also varied. So I would be in zero more. And I think just through repetitions, I felt I could learn more about the tool. And through increased interaction, I can learn better how to deliver services. But very quickly, I also discovered it was an amazing opportunity to reconnect with really what my skill set is, and that's being a leader within a team. I'd worked on my own for so long, and I never quite could figure out how to find and retain staff. So Bean Ninjas immediately 
allowed for me to press fast forward and jumpstart what I say would be about three or four years. So there was always already the foundation of a great, strong leadership team. There was team members in place with skill sets focused on areas that I had needed a bit more development and education that I could rely on to help cover those gaps. And for Merrill, my business partner, really the risk was in knowing I was motivated to build my own firm, would it be possible based on this experience to come to an agreement to allow for us to build a firm together? And that conversation really started initial conversation we had was, okay, let's work through this and let's bring you on as a bookkeeper. And within the first few weeks, then I was supervisor over a small team of bookkeepers. And I even think in the third month, I was responsible for all of our sales and building the sales process, hosting the sales calls. And the company faced a split at that time. So Merrill had founded the company with another business partner. And she had recently, I think within that same period of time, three months, had bought out her business partner. So there was a lot of opportunity for me to step in and take more leadership type roles within the company. And I was very hungry to do that because within those first few months, I knew I knew this was the type of company that I wanted to align with, that I could see myself growing. And what was great was the company was based out of Australia. So I also had a very unique opportunity to connect with people in Australia. We had had a manager, and we still do have a manager in Manchester, UK. So my day was beginning to be spent on phone calls with people with different accents and living different cultures and lifestyles. And our clients were focused really around the concept of digital nomads. And I was talking to people in different countries around the world. And it was just great to come at night and share with my kids, hey, let's look at the globe. Daddy was talking to someone today in this country on way other side of the world. And they would hear my conversations with my team at the time, and they would hear these different accents. And it really also opened my eyes to the fact that what we're doing in the cloud accounting space does not need to be limited by your home country. A lot of the bookkeeping needs in small businesses in Australia closely mimic or are not identical to the bookkeeping needs they have here in the U.S. The clients we support in the U.K., basis of the bookkeeping needs they have are the same as what we do here in supporting clients in the U.S. So it really then just became important for us to align with partners in those countries and team members that knew some of the country-specific stuff and also had the network to connect us with you know, tax partners and, and those specialties that really are country specific. And I think it was about after my first year, really the conversations were very heavy around how can we take your clients from prescribed, integrate them in to be ninjas and give you an opportunity to partner in to be ninjas. So that negotiation lasted a bit of time, but really ended up looking like an opportunity for me to exchange my clients for a stake of equity in be ninjas but also step into a more secure earning opportunity within Bean Ninjas as a partner and at the time director of global operations. I'm just curious, how often do you go to Australia? I signed the partnership deal in August two years ago, and we've now been twice for about 10-day visits. So it's been a great experience 
for us. One of our team leaders will actually be here on Tuesday in the office with me here in Tucson. Okay. Interesting. And just so, so the audience knows as well, I, so when you and I first started communicating, you mentioned that Bean Ninjas has a podcast. I've listened to a few of those. Where would our audience find your podcast? And I think you said you're going to be hosting a few of them here. It's usually your partner, right. but I guess, okay. What do you all call the yeah. podcast? So it's the Bean Ninjas podcast. And really, it's a podcast to help founders and entrepreneurs of product and services business grow their businesses. And really, we've been founded under a core value of freedom. And that's in everything, location freedom, time freedom, financial freedom. And really, what we've identified is really having clarity around your numbers is not the end goal. It's a symptom of something larger that you're hoping to accomplish and achieve. And to most people, it's, it's freedom. They're looking for the flexibility to make decisions based outside of cost. And that may be where they vacation or where they live or how many days a week they're required to work, step into an office. So really, we take listeners behind the scenes to how we've grown our company. And we also share a lot of the insights from friends of the company, clients we work with, contractors that work with us. We've covered things like developing a video content strategy to running and founding a B corporation to doing business in China, selling through social media. It's just been amazing in our experience as entrepreneurs ourselves in trying to grow what we call fast-growing startup that happens to deliver accounting services. We just have met some amazing people and there's just skill sets and knowledge that can be distributed. And we really thought it would be important and fun to start our own podcast. So we had started the podcast last year and I had had the opportunity to be on the podcast as a guest a number of times, but have recorded now a few podcasts based on my expertise and interest in supporting e-commerce and other online businesses. So you'll start to hear some of my recordings and some of my host chops episodes to come. (laughs) I'm excited for you because it's interesting. You have so much experience and you've lived so much in terms of your career already. But on the flip side, it's like things are just starting for you, you know, with this relatively new partnership. And yeah, wow. They're great. That's right. We often joke that we'll be the seven year overnight success story. And (laughs) I think a lot of it, what excites me is we've had the opportunity to grow in what many consider a smaller market, right? Australia is roughly the tenth of the size of the United States. So a lot of our early stage growth had been built growing a business really based in Australia. I now joke that we're a U.S. bookkeeping firm that is headquartered in Australia because since my joining the firm and through our efforts in marketing and content have grown the business to now have more U.S. clients than we do international. So to me, the excitement is now an opportunity to bring the Bean Ninjas brand into the U.S. And we've had our share of success in Australia most recently. And this is simple, humble brag. We were recognized as Zero's bookkeeping firm of the year for all of Australia. So for me, it just shows that we have the right capabilities within the team. We care enough for our clients to deliver what we say we're going to deliver. Now, how do we share that to a larger market? And the exciting part is what successes will come when that word gets out. Hmm, 
That is exciting. <laughs> I could talk about this all day. We do have three questions we end every podcast with. And, and in the interest of time, I think we probably better get to those. But this has been really been a good conversation. The first question that we end every podcast with is, is usually the easiest for our guests. What has been your proudest moment from a career perspective? That one's pretty easy for me as it was an experience that I really had just a few weeks ago. I had the opportunity to visit our leadership team and pull us all together in the same house and at the same table. One thing to mention is even though we run a distributed team, it's important to get your leadership team together in the same room to make those big decisions on strategy and discuss if your values still hold true to your thoughts and how you're running the company. So for me, really, there was a moment, Meryl and I were standing on the beach and we were watching two of our team members fly a drone. And we looked across to a table just north of the beach with our other team leaders just sitting and laughing. And we almost felt like proud parents. You know, we saw this team that we had sourced and found and brought together and really that have been motivated by our vision and really rallying behind us to build something, but to have the opportunity to bring us all together, really to celebrate and also to then look ahead and see what we can do from here has been my proudest moment. It was just an amazing experience. And it didn't hurt that we were on an amazing beach in the coast of Australia either. Yeah, 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 that always adds to the experience. (laughs) Well, secondly, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And frankly, the more you could tell us about the situation, the better, because that's really how we learn. Sure. I think one of the important lessons that I've learned, I shared a bit about it earlier in our discussion, that was to consider really what your value is to your employer if you're in a traditional role. And Begin to build yourself a cushion in the event the worst case scenario comes across. If could, I'll share another that pertains more to my current role and, and the current position I have. And that's don't waste time working with bad clients or poor employees. I think the goal of business is to work with great clients that value your contributions and, and those that you enjoy getting on the phone with and having a conversation the same for employees. We've had poor clients that we would maintain because of simply the vanity metric of the earnings that are generated on the monthly fee that we were able to charge them, but just created tremendous stress and strain within the team. That's good advice for business owners and -and up-and-coming managers, (laughs) for sure. Wonderful. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Again, I just have to reiterate the mention of your success will be driven by the books you read and the people you meet. So make sure your time is spent invested in both of those areas. Okay. I have to ask, are there any specific books you might recommend? So I've loved along my journey, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I could not say there's been tremendous learnings I've gained through my study of the Bible. I'll also say a last and recent book that I've read that really resonated well. There's actually two. So The Effective Entrepreneur by Peter Drucker, and also the latest book that I've read, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work 
by the founders of Basecamp, and I can't recall their two names. I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to have to look that one up. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, this really has been a good interview. I appreciate you sharing your time with us, Wayne. Last thing, and and then we'll say goodbye. If people want to find out more about Bean Ninjas, where's the best place to go? Sure. Again, you can check out the Bean Ninjas podcast on anywhere you find podcasts, but also you can simply find us on BeanNinjas.com. I'm available on LinkedIn. Would love to connect to anyone that's interested in learning about accounting careers in both industry and in the future of accounting, which I believe is to be driven around cloud accounting services. So LinkedIn, also available on BeanNinjas.com. Perfect. Well, thank you again for making the time for the audience. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, Mark. It was a great time. Well, that was our interview with Wayne Richard. And some of the takeaways that I personally have from this interview is, is number one, the value of a good mentor. A good mentor helped him out early in his career at Hewlett Packard. And I'm sure that that made a difference in, in his entire career, you know, there forward. And then secondly, how even an unexpected, you know, possible setback can turn into an opportunity. Had Wayne not had that happen to him earlier on in his career, he wouldn't be where he is today. And you can tell he really enjoys where he is today. If you found value in this episode for yourself, once again, please check us out online. We're at whereaccountantsgo.com. And don't forget, you can leave us feedback or ask any question you would like in your own voice using our Ask Mark recorder on the website. Just visit whereaccountantsgo.com and click on Ask Mark in the upper menu. We'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast, and we will see you all next week. There's more to come.